It's the boys from Homestand Sports, and they're here to bring you Puck Talks Toronto. Your host, Zach Cook, brings you the latest to date news. Ovechkin is so underrated. He's arguably going to go down as one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, not just this generation of all time. Well, Spencer Lucier breaks it down. If you want to go out there and you want to get a number one centerman, I wouldn't have gone and spent your top prospect on someone that's a fringe, fringe centerman, right? What a luminescent night for Austin Matthews. Incredible. Four goals. What's going on this morning? It's uh, it's an interesting morning, that's for sure. I'm Zach Cook, joined alongside Spencer Lucier. Leafs, they've won two straight games. But, you know, off the top, I'm going to get some stuff off my chest here. Uh... A lot of Leaf fans have been uh, giving us Montreal Canadiens fans a lot of shit lately, and I mean, rightfully so. The Habs, uh, bottom of the Eastern Conference, pretty much uh, not exactly uh, a lot to look forward to in regards to the future for these Montreal Canadiens. But the one thing that the Habs do have is a goaltender by the name of Carey Price. And regardless of his statistics this year, he is still one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. I don't want to hear Leaf fans comparing him to Frederick Anderson and his $5.25 million cap it. I don't give a shit about that. That doesn't mean anything to us. We have one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League. Yes, I just said we. I am part of the Montreal Canadiens. And it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me why you're you're comparing a Frederick Anderson to a Carey Price. You have Austin Matthews down the middle of the ice. Stick with what you have. Let's just relax a bit. Let's uh, pump the brakes. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Frederick Anderson, he's a great goaltender, but he's not Carey Price. I don't care what his cap it is, if it's half of what Carey Price is. I'm taking Carey Price every day of the week, and I just really needed to get that off my chest at the top of the show, Spencer. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I have to agree with you there. The pedigree of Carey Price is certainly something that the fans need to always embrace. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens, if they're struggling, that means the goaltending is always not going to be the greatest. But you can't look at one season and all of a sudden compare both of these goalies to being such uh, franchise studs, right? Do we forget the year that Carey Price basically cleaned up the entire NHL awards? And that was basically two years yeah. ago. So I don't, I mean... He's the same goalie. It's just basically the team in front of him can't figure out anything, and he's relied upon every night to to basically stop forty shots. I mean, he last could. night he lets in a soft goal, and it's just like the world's falling and everything's going downhill. But it's just like it just it, it it's a very confusing it, process when you don't have a number one defenseman on the back end right now. Shea Weber's been out for a very long time. You're you're developing players. You're trying to figure out who's going to stay next year, who's not going to stay. So it's a it's a development process. It's always hard for Carey Price to st- like he needs to always be perfect on his game for Montreal to always have a chance because as soon as I, like you said that one softy gets by him, it seems Montreal is deflated. They can't find anything on offense, and there you go. There's the loss for him, and that's what looks bad on his uh, stats. Before we get started on the Leafs, shout out Brendan Gallagher, 19th goal of the year last night. He's having a career year, uh, fantastic. He's on pace for over 30 goals this year, and uh, he deserves it. That guy works his ass off every single night and never takes a shift off. you got to respect players like that, of course. Uh, let's get over to the Leafs now. Uh, the Leafs' uh, victors over the Nashville Predators on Wednesday. They won in a shootout that went, I, I believe it was seven or eight rounds, but... James Van Riemsdyk eventually got the shootout winner. Uh, Leafs, uh, Spencer, I don't think they deserve to win that game necessarily. I think Frederick Anderson stood on his head. Maybe that counters my point at the top of the show. <laughs> but the point being is uh, I don't think they necessarily deserved that uh, two points. But they got it, and uh, good teams can uh, figure out how to get those two points when they're off on a given night. Yeah, that's right. And and they came out they came out strong, uh, two, two goals right off the top uh, and, and had a lead. But do we have to bring up the third period collapses maybe again to – 
they could have had this game in regulation. You said it. Steady Freddy was on his game once again, 44 saves and seven saves in the overtime frame as well. But they could have they could have won and beat this Predators team that's the third best team in the league in regulation. But once again, the third period collapse seems to poke its way through again. You know, we're one week closer to that NHL trade deadline. And as your as your gut feeling right now, do you think the Leafs still do nothing, or do you think they maybe go out and add something? Because we saw Mike Babcock speak with the media, a little joke, and the people that know know what we're gonna target and what we're looking to add, and a, a very Mike Babcock like phrase, but. Do you think they do anything still? I I th- I think they have to. I mean, with with the Josh Levo situation uh, going on, where he's, you know, I, and I agree with what he's saying too. He he's been in this organization uh, for two years now, and o- only has played in twenty five games. He signed a one year deal with them to be back uh, to have an opportunity at the lineup, and he hasn't gotten one. So I think for him, uh, they're going to have to make a move to get rid of him. Uh, but other than that, I don't really see it because I think, personally, the the youth has come up and, and played really well uh, in these last uh, couple of weeks to uh, give them enough depth going forward into the playoffs. Yeah, I really like what, what Travis Dermott's done. He's kind of been that, that steady presence on the back end that the Leafs have maybe been looking for. And they've the thing is, they've had these kind of guys in the pipeline for a while now, and they're they're finally starting to to get the chance because of the injuries on the Leafs' back end, and they're slowly they're getting healthy and, and all that stuff. But Let's uh, let's move on here to our uh, fill in the blanks game, uh, Spencer. Uh, lately, in the National Hockey League, a lot of teams are uh, maybe reluctant to say that they they want to rebuild, they want to go in, in that direction because they don't want to tell their fans that because they're afraid of the the ticket prices and all that stuff, and them not showing up to games. So I'm gonna ask you this question after yesterday. The Rangers basically openly put out a statement saying their team's rebuilding and slash retooling, maybe. So blank. Is that blank for the game? I'm basically saying, is it going to grow the game? Is that good for the game? Like, what, what do you think that is for the game in the NHL? No, I think it's terrible for the game. I mean, we can all acknowledge it. It's it's common sense to see the Rangers struggling, uh, and Montreal struggling, all these guys, all these teams struggling. So I don't think they need to write an open letter to their fan bases saying, yeah, it's not our season. Uh, we're going to retool at the deadline. And we're going to come back stronger so that we can give you a Stanley Cup contender and a product on the ice that you you guys will be proud of. So for me, I think it's embarrassing for the league that that uh, GM has to come out and, and write a letter to to the fan base when it's, I think, pretty common sense uh, if, if you're a true fan of that of that franchise. I actually couldn't disagree more with what you're saying. And that's because I, I feel like it's actually quite refreshing to see a general manager realize that. His team isn't exactly where they want to be, and they have to they have to add some pieces. They want to get younger. They want to they want to start building from within and start drafting well within the organization. So I really think it's it's good for the game that that a team is finally saying, "Hey, we're not going to try to to add veterans to try to sneak into the final playoff spot. We're gonna we're gonna stick with what we have here. We're gonna sell off some pieces here and get some assets for them and, and move forward with that." I really like what the the Rangers said yesterday. Huh, that, that's uh, that's actually pretty interesting. I, I mean, I, I didn't think we would uh, disagree on that. I just thought because... I thought you were going to think the same way I thought there, and then you uh, finally were like, oh, it's terrible, and I was kind of <laughs> taken back by that, so I was going to go um, from that. But... Well, how about I'll get to my next one. And co- kind of going back to, to your question with me about the, the, the lease at the deadline. So uh, I said it, with, with the Leafs youth coming up and playing as well as they have been, how uh, blank... To, is it to make a deal at the deadline for the Leafs? 
Um, I'm gonna say unnecessary. Yeah. I'm gonna say unnecessary because I, I I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. I feel like this team right now is is well positioned to to make a run in the postseason. But the thing is, you have you have Tampa Bay and you have Boston in your division. It's kind of a crapshoot right now. All three of those teams could make a run if it really went that way. And the thing is, it's such a young Leafs team that they don't really need to to add right now. They're not really there yet. Give it one or two more years. That's when you start adding those those one-year expiring contracts to your team. I'm not really sure who would interest the Leafs necessarily that's out there right now. There's a few names that might uh, be interesting. I mean, it, it's interesting because the, the Rangers, uh, they waived Brendan Smith yesterday. Yeah, that's crazy. And I was, I was like, that's... That's a rash decision after signing him to a four-year, uh, seventeen million dollar contract this off-season. Like that just that goes to show you, like you, uh, it comes and it gets taken away so quickly. So it just, it was a little shocking to me that they were so uh, Another, easily. Marcus Kruger too. He was he was put on waivers. He's a, that was a little less shocking to me. Yeah, but I mean, he he still has that value as a as a depth center that. A lot of, especially going into this deadline, where a lot of teams are looking for that depth center. They, you think Carolina could have gotten at least, you know, a draft pick or something for him instead of just placing him on waivers for a team to pick him up for free, basically. Um, let's let's say I'm gonna stick with that though. I think it's unnecessary that the Leafs need to make a move this year. Uh, next year potentially when they they start, I I don't know. I'm interested to see how free agency goes for the Leafs this year. Uh, I'm not expecting a ton of moves, but. It should be interesting to see with the the upcoming negotiations with Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, those kind of guys. So I, I I'm intrigued for sure about that. Yeah, Boston, Tampa. I think they're too good this year. Don't try. See what you can, what you have in the younger players. Still, don't make any rash decisions to and again to try and compete. Too. Yeah, exactly. You're basically locked in at that three spot right now. So, anyways, uh, blank because you know the trade deadline obviously approaching, and we've been kind of discussing that each week as we've been leading up to it, but. Blank will be the most active Canadian team at the trade deadline. Much- is, it's funny because before you answer this, I, I know you said Montreal, but <laughs> I'm just saying like it, it can be scary like to think about because like Peter Chiarelli or Mark Bergevin being the most active, like that scares me a bit. Yeah, like those and, kind and, of GMs and, like and being active. That's why both of those guys were were going to be my answer for this is because they're so trigger happy with making deals and with both teams struggling. I think they're going to try and save their jobs here for for next season and and try and make these moves. Uh, We saw your buddy Eric Engels posted that uh, Bergevin should be fired if he he doesn't trade Placanix. Well, if if he sees that, he might be inclined to trade him or i don't know just I think well i feel like he was already yeah be. there's so, I, uh, yeah, yeah probably not seeing a reporter's report yeah. and saying okay i'm gonna trade him just based off of that is uh how the gms work but i think just because both of those gms are are pretty happy with making deals i think that's why uh montreal and edmonton will be the two busiest teams at the deadline well like i was reading a few interesting things about montreal lately and uh the one asset they really have is cap space they have so much cap space the ability to take on some cap from a team maybe it, it adds value you can add some more value back if you take on a bigger cap hit so that can definitely uh be intriguing to some teams and uh thomas buchanan's obviously likely to be dealt by the deadline but there was talk of him potentially being re-signed but after the season would would hopefully be more likely of him to to be a rental for a team and then come back after the the stanley cup playoffs because he he's still a valuable shutdown center in the national hockey league and that's that's something that a lot of teams are looking to add very good in his defensive role. So, um, okay, my last question here, and it was pretty interesting when I was looking this up for uh, the the Friday Four. Um, 
So it is blank that we have yet to see a coach fired this season. And I'm only bringing this up is because it hasn't happened at all this year. And um, since 1967, there has always been a coaching firing up to this point in the season. Shout out, shout out Lee fans, uh, 1967, last so, time they won a Stanley Cup. There you go. So uh, if there's no coaching firing this year, maybe that's good news for, for Leaf fans going into the playoffs. But anyways, uh, it is blank that we have uh, seen have yet to seen a coaching firing this year. Um, well, the teams I look at that potentially could have a coach fired, whether it's a an Arizona, Vancouver, Chicago. Uh, that's an interesting one for me. Chicago, like a veteran coach, like Joel Quenville, one of the, the the best coaches arguably in the National Hockey League, and they're sitting in the seventh, very last place in the Central Division. I just don't know how you part with a guy that's won. What about Vigneault? Vigneault in New York, part of the retooling for for Gortman and Sather over there, could be on the. the I, head I could coach. see that, but I still think he's also a good coach. But sometimes I guess you need that change of uh, voice in the dressing room. But uh, it's. It's interesting because you look at a team like Montreal too. Like you're not going to fire Claude Julien after giving him so much term and money on his contract, uh, and I don't think he necessarily deserves to be fired either. But then you look at other teams like Carolina. I think they're underachieving a bit, but when you're getting goaltending as bad as they are, the old saying, you know, show me a good goaltender, I'll show you a good coach. It's pretty, it's pretty inclined to to put that into place there. But Arizona, they've been god awful. Uh, I don't necessarily think Todd McCullen's job's safe in Edmonton either. That's yeah. a, that's one to, to keep in mind. But I think it's pretty crazy that no coach has been fired just because there has been a lot of underachieving teams and teams that necessarily had a lot higher expectations headed into this year. Yeah, by this point last year, there are, have already been four coaches fired and then the Valentine's Day firing of Michel Therrien and the God replacement bless. of Claude Julien in a, I guess, in a week's time uh, dating back to last year. So... Yeah, it, I'm. I was actually pretty uh, shocked to see that as well, uh, considering uh, we've seen coaching firings to Gerard Gallant basically getting into a taxi and leaving his team to, you know, the the replacement of Julian and and Tarian, uh last year. So I thought it was pretty uh, pretty crazy that we haven't seen one either. I still remember getting the being on Twitter and I was in a reporting class and being on Twitter and seeing. Uh, Claude Julian had been hired by the Canadians and Michelle Terrian had been fired. I literally like started <laughs> screaming and interrupting the whole class. Like producer Ferguson could definitely attest to that. That was one of the the highlights of my year, and uh, not a lot of people understood my joy. But uh, not a big Michelle Terrian fan, that's for sure. I can say that much. Uh, let's welcome that producer into the booth for a little uh, front page news. Uh, we're gonna discuss what's going on in the hockey world. Uh, definitely a, a lot to talk about right now. So we'll see what she. Uh, Decides to bring to the table in this one, but uh, Spencer, you got to wonder what's exactly going to take place coming into the deadline. There's so many teams that have a lot of aspiring goals headed into the postseason, but you really got to wonder what's what's going to happen. All I want to see is a deadline like the basketball one we just saw yesterday. Never going to happen. It just can't. Hey, that was one of my questions. Uh, sorry. <laughs> she sorry. comes into the studio, just puts her hand up, <laughs> stop talking. Like. <laughs> Is the NHL deadline going to be half as exciting as the NBA one? Not even close, and I feel so bad for like the hosts, like James Duthie on on TSN. It just it sucks so much that there's probably going to be like three trades, and like one of them is going to be like a a depth center on the fourth line, and you're just like, why am I even spending eight hours watching this? You just it never it never lives up to the hype. I just remember like four years ago when the Habs traded for Thomas Vanek, that was hilarious because it was like a mystery yeah. team and like they're like, oh, they're just eliminating teams off the list and it's like, oh, Montreal comes out of nowhere. 
but otherwise see, it was a little strange. See, I think it'll be I think it'll be a pretty interesting one because there's so many bottom dwelling teams. The Atlantic, there basically there's the three that are already in the playoff position, and then everyone else is trying to either you know sell or trying to retool a bit. So I think it could be a pretty interesting one because of how many bottom dwelling teams there are in the NHL. Well, what what about like? Do you think it's because of the cap? The cap that the trade deadline hasn't been that exciting. I think it has something to do with it, but at the same time, it just it feels like there's. I, I I thought about this a lot yesterday in the NBA. There's so many teams that basically know they have no shot at winning the NBA title, whereas in the NHL, there's so much parity that it makes you like kind of reconsider. Well, we have to we have to kind of stick with the cores. We're not going to sell off because we're three points out of a playoff spot. Whereas in the NBA, it's like, well, we're we're not going to be Golden State. We're probably not going to be Boston, Toronto, or Cleveland. So we might as well just. Uh, stop doing what we're doing yeah. and sell off our pieces because that's why there's so much movement in the NBA and it's I love it as a as a fan of the sport but it just kind of sucks when you want more movement in the NHL and you just kind of think you're not going to get it. Yeah, yeah, the cap certainly plays a factor into it for sure. I mean, and, and because you said the the NHL it flip-flops all the time, right? There there hasn't been that like the Chicago's and the Pittsburgh's, the dynasties like that, there are very few of them and the other teams flip-flop back and forth. They don't want to make rash decisions just based off of one trade deadline. Makes sense. All right. All right. So Alex Burrows, 10 games. Too much, too little? I'm going to say too little. I I just, it was, it just made no sense what he was doing in that play. Like there was, there was no answer. And I kind of liked that he, he, he threw out that statement after and was, was basically like, don't ask me about this again, because it just, it made no sense whatsoever what he did there. And, to be a superstar like Taylor Hall, having that done to him, it just, it, it's, it, there's no excuse for it. And it, it should have been highly suspended. It was 10 games. Like, I'm happy they, they got that part right in the sense because 10 games is like, what is it? One, I, I can't do math. I'm, I'm too tired. Yeah, don't, don't morning, think, but don't I'm not, start I'm not even going to start the math of that. But it's, it's a lot of games and he definitely deserved every one of them. But I think the NHL could have gone to like 15 or something. Yeah, if if I had to pick, uh, it would probably be over two. I mean, ten games is uh, I thought pretty suitable for for the the case. I mean, I think he's only had one other suspension, so a uh, second time. Um, but like you said, it was kind of you you could see it gonna unfold, right? I mean, he was he took that big hit from Hall, then started chasing him around, hacking him, cross checking him, all the dirty. It wasn't even that big, a, like bad. It, yeah, it was, it was. It was very clean. It was really clean. It was just open ice, and he yeah. had to. He had the big, like you know, jump back type yeah. hit. Um, but I, I thought the ten games was was suitable. But if I had to pick it, it, it should be more based off of the the I guess like the gruesomeness of that that attack, like he the knees and then the flailing of the skates and the putting the refs and other players into jeopardy because his sharp blades are everywhere. I think that's kind of plays a factor into the suspension too. Do you also think I know you said he's. You know, he's only had like one or I think one suspension. But do you think because in our minds, Alex Burroughs is a quote unquote dirty player that maybe we think of it as harsher as he, we wanted it to be harsher? He bites. Exactly. He's, yeah. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, like, that, everyone that, that thinks, he bites. A lot of people think he's a dirty player. Yeah, I, I, he's just I'm, a pest. Like he's just yeah. one of those guys that like, like he, he would never go and, and, and try and square up with you and, and try and fight, right? He just is one of those guys that wants finger. that. Like, yeah, exactly. He just goes and bites your fingers, hacks your, your, your skates, and then skates away, right? So, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if he was considered one of the dirtiest players, but he's definitely a pest that uh, a lot of people don't like playing against him. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. It just, it's, 
I, I don't think he I, I don't want to call necessarily him like a dirty player. I think there's better terms for him. I think he's definitely just a, a really annoying pass that sometimes crosses the line. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Last question. Since we saw Nashville coming in this week, plus trade deadline coming up, do you think Nashville is the most complete team in the NHL? Oh, one hundred percent. I've been I've been preaching this for a while. I think they're the favorites in the Western Conference. And I really just love the makeup of this team. Me and you had this discussion last week about their they're centered up down the middle now, and I don't think you're going to find a better back end than what they have with with the healthy Subban, Ekholm, Yossi, uh, Ellis. Like it's just it's it's incredible to see the kind of team they've built. But the funny thing is, I was talking about this yesterday with with a few people, and look at a lot of teams say like you can't trade for what you. You can't basically make a team through trades. Look at the look at their team and how it's built. Turris from a trade, Subban from a trade, Johansson from a trade. Like it, there's so many. A lot of their team is basically put Mike in Fisher place because of a trade. trade. But yeah, that's <laughs> it's that was all interesting they, to consider. That's all because they stocked up on their defense, and when those defensive prospects became so valuable, like a Seth Jones, a Ryan Suter, uh, Shea Weber. I know he wasn't a prospect when he got traded, but. Because you had those type of caliber defensemen, they were able to go out and get that top centerman that, uh, you know, Montreal maybe should have looked at Nashville's way of thinking of trading a a top defensive prospect for maybe a centerman like that. Um, Never happened. Yeah, but uh, they're not out there apparently. Well, um, at the same time, uh, Haley, always a pleasure in the booth with us. Uh, Some good front page news to, to go off of. There's a lot, there's a lot going on though. Like it's, it's the trading deadline in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of news. Mark Shifley's healthy for the Jets now. That's, yeah, a, that's a big addition. I mean, can you get a better trade deadline addition than a, a healthy Mark Shifley? <laughs> they went like 10-2-3 without him, too. Like, they, they survived without him. That's a know, really good like, team. And we've been yeah. talking about this for a while as well. Like, are the Jets contenders? I think you have to. I think you're riding a hawk goalie right now in Hellebuck, and your 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 forward court has been pretty solid. The Like... The, the fact that your top six is clicking so well like that and the addition with Mark Shifley coming in uh, it only bolsters that to to being at their peak performance uh, earlier on in the season. So I think they have a serious chance at being a, a contender. I mean, they're in the same division as Nashville and, and are leading that division now. So um, I, I, I think you have to uh, give a serious look to the Jets come playoff time. Like I'm looking out west right now, and right now the playoff teams would be Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis... Dallas, Minnesota, Vegas, Calgary, San Jose. So it's there's some teams in there that maybe make you you wonder a bit. Like I'm still kind of surprised that St. Louis is where they are. I mean they 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 built a good foundation there, but I was never sure if the offense would would necessarily come to fruition. But then again, Braden Shen was a really good addition. I think he's he's paid dividends for this Blues team, but. Then you cross over to the Eastern Conference. You got Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, and then you have Washington, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Columbus. Like I'm more intrigued by what's going to happen in the Eastern Conference, I think, than I am in the West. But I think Nashville is a favorite to to potentially come out of the West, and I think their biggest challenge might be Winnipeg right now. Yeah, being in the same division and and the two the couple games that they've already played this year have been really close games and. Um, I think you have to give credit to Blake Wheeler too. I mean, he went from the wing to center when Shifley was out, and he he played admirably, uh, and and was still their best player. So I don't know. I I really like this this Jets team. They're a big, heavy team, and the only thing I could see them slowing down with is uh, is injuries again uh, come playoff time. And like at the same time, I want to give a lot of credit to Vegas. I I love that they're thirty six 
14 and 4 and they have 76 points they're atop the Western Conference. I I just don't know if they're they're built for the playoffs. I really don't. I I I love this record. I love this story. I just I don't know if they're built for the playoffs. I want to see if they actually, you know, add at the deadline rather than sell. I haven't heard anything about no, them. No, because they they kept think like they still have David Perron, they still have James Neal that are they're on their last they haven't locked them up yet. They did for Marsha so they re-signed him, but they haven't locked those guys up yet. And I want to see if they're going to actually say, you know what, uh, yeah, this is a pretty crazy run, what we're doing, but uh, we, we still got to look to the future, or you just try and ru- run it and, and add. So um, I think he, that'll be the biggest team at the deadline to uh, to tell whether um, w- where they're going to be in the playoff time. And one last question for you before we shut this baby down. Uh, best Canadian team with the best shot to win the Stanley Cup this year, who is it between Calgary, Winnipeg, and Toronto? I th- I think Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg has the best chance out of those three teams. Yeah, I'm uh, hard pressed to to disagree with you. I really like what they've they've built there in Winnipeg. Uh, you know what? We have uh, some some event coming up next week. I think it's on the what is it? The 15th, Spencer. Yeah, it, I believe. It's, uh, so back at Rivoli again. Uh, Chris Johnson. You know we'll be there. Uh, you can come say hi to us. We'll probably be handing out tickets at the door because that's what we do. Uh, we're not yet uh, podium famous. We will be at the next show in March after that, but. Right now, we'll be uh, just chilling, uh, handing out your tickets, and uh, letting you into the into the event at Revoy. It's always a great time there. Great food, new merch great table. drinks, uh, new merchandise table. There's there's lots going on when you come to these uh, come to these homestand sports events. It's always a great time. So many you learn so much. I mean, everyone that we've been to, whether it's the a couple weeks ago when we saw uh, Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins, that was just a a very interesting experience. You learn so much from these these people and so many tricks inside the business. So uh, it'll be very exciting. So don't be afraid to come say hi to us. If you're at the event, we'll be likely manning the doors. Uh, but for now, for Spencer Lucier, I'm Zach Cook, and we're out. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. Puck Talks is back February 15th at Rivoli. Chris Johnson is your headliner, while Daniel Emanuel will be your host once again. Follow at Puck Talks Live and get your tickets on homestand.com.